0: He didn't mention that uh, his only championship is after hiring a director of player personnel. So <laughs> good things come. Well, I, I do want to uh, really confirm what Jim just said because uh, that, that's so true. Um, Pastor Jim's right where we, we actually just had uh, the Halgobergs come and, and talk to the youth. And, and now we know a song we can now sing uh, a, a little song, maybe after service, not, not now in the limelight, um, but later on. Well, uh, today we want to move forward with another invisible, but before we do, I want to do uh, just a little something to get things started. And so, uh, what I want you to do is, I want you to think about this question, um, but because it's the youth pastor speaking, I don't want you to just internalize this question, but I actually want you to talk to the people next to you for a moment about this question. Uh, What is a childhood nickname that you had, and what did you do to get it? What is a childhood nickname that you had, and what did you do to get it? Take like, 30 seconds. Real quick. Share with the person next to you actually what is a childhood nickname you had and what you did to get it. If you are on the chat, you don't get away with this either. Uh, uh, You have a longer lasting one posted in the chat uh, for everyone else to see and interact with. I want to see if anyone tops my childhood nickname. Take only a few more seconds, get just the good details. All right, let's, uh, let's start hearing some. Yell some out if you had a really good one. If you had a really good one, you like want to share with people. Just yell it. Yell it out. Otherwise, I'm going to have to only say mine and it's, it's already a, a traumatizing story. So. I need to have some, some help in this. Any good ones? This is where everyone gets quiet. This is how youth group works, too. Don't worry, I'm used to it. Okay, You're what? Friend? friend? No, Fred. Fred, Fred. Fred. I'm sure there's a story there. That's a good one. Fred, that's a good one. We'll have to see what the chat said afterwards. Um, so one of my childhood nicknames, and probably the earliest one um, that I ever received... Uh, was, was shortly after my birth. Uh, see, I was, a, I was a preemie, which means I was a premature baby. I, I came out a little too early. Um, and my parents loved to mention that uh, my brother was uh, just this most beautiful baby, and, and he was glamorous for all the pictures and stuff like that. Uh, and then there was me, who they referred to as Monchichi, um, which, if you're too young to know, uh, was actually a doll in the 80s uh, that was, like, kind of furry and, and you know... Uh, a little, a little not necessarily how it's supposed to be. And, and so they would refer to my brother as this beautiful baby and me as this little manchichi um, that I had to carry with me for the first few years. And you think, that seems a little traumatizing, in a sense, for parents uh, to, to give you a nickname as, as uh, something like that. It, you know, it seems somewhat hurtful. Like, who would do that? But then uh, you would see a picture of me as a baby, and it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I see it. I, he probably earned that one. And, you know, I have the confidence, thankfully, now to say, yeah, probably, probably a little bit. And so uh, the reason I bring that up, though, is because we are uh, in the midst of this invisible series. Uh, we're looking at some of these lesser-known stories of, of characters in the Bible, uh, people who are some way a part of God's big story. And, and we started off with these daughters of Zelophehad, and, and, and then we moved on to Korah and, and Dorcas last week. Um, but this week, we're going to be looking at someone who, really, we know much better through their nickname. See, this week we're going to be looking at a Levite named Joseph, uh, but we probably know him a little bit better by Barnabas. Barnabas, and so we begin to look at this new invisible Barnabas, and we kind of ask, you know, who is Barnabas? And so, just a little quick second on, on uh, the gist of who is Barnabas before we move any further. Uh, uh, like I said, Barnabas is a Levite, and he's from a, an island of, of Cyprus, and so he's a, he's a Hellenistic Jew. In, in a sense, you could say, and uh, uh, he's from this island, and like I kind of mentioned, Barnabas is not necessarily his original name, um, but it's, it's, it's somewhat more of a nickname. It, it's a little deeper than that, because the early church worked a little deeper with nicknames than we do um, today, thankfully, um, as people don't call me Manchichi anymore, but this was something much deeper. They do now, yes. <laughs> Ooh. I knew what I was getting into. Uh, and so Barnabas, is, is, is kind of like a new name he's receiving now as he's becoming a Christian and, and having this new identity. And so if you're going to have a new identity uh, and a new name that goes with this new identity and, and kind of goes with this uh, nickname of faith, uh, there's not many that are better than Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement, son of encouragement. And so if you're getting this new kind of Christian nickname, I think having one a uh, son of encouragement uh, is a pretty good one to have. It's a lot better than the ones some of us might get, where it's like, you know, they're kind of hangry before dinner, uh, or really needs their morning coffee. Instead, it's Barnabas, son of encouragement, and it's to really say this is someone that people would want to be around. This is someone uh, uh, who, as we'll see in just a moment, is, is someone who is able to be used by God. And I think that brings us to our big idea, and in a sense it's, it's a two-parter. It's, it's first and foremost this, and this is really the, the one of the bigger themes we see throughout this whole series is that God works through his invisibles. God works through his invisibles. Sometimes it's harder to see, and sometimes it takes a little more work to see the impact they have, but God is working through his invisibles. And the thing that I really want us to see today is not just that big idea, but is to see that Barnabas Barnabas is, is, is really like a prototypical example of this invisible who God works through. He, he, is, this, he is this person of character who uh, the more we see about him, uh, the more we understand why God would work through an invisible like him. And so today we're going to look at three just uh, short stories of Barnabas and, and, and cover another element of him and, and why he is this prototypical invisible that God can use. And so if you're following along in your Bibles, otherwise it'll be up on the screen, go ahead and turn to Acts 4. Acts 4.32, that's where we're going to start. Uh, but like I said, we're going to look at three little stories along the way, and I think each one of them kind of gives us an insight uh, into what makes Barnabas this, this example for us today. The first one is this. It's that Barnabas is the type of person who sees a need and does something about it. He sees a need and he acts. Barnabas is the type of person who sees a need and he acts. It, it, really, the, 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 in a sense, the first time we, we get to know him... Uh, is in this Acts 4 story where where, uh, Barnabas is being called out by name because he has seen a need in the church and he's acting on it. Take a look at Acts uh, 4 starting in 32. Get a little background before we just slip Barnabas's name in there. Uh, It says, uh, now the whole group uh, of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one claimed private ownership or any possessions but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, uh, for as many who owned land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, uh, and it was distributed to those who had any need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, so you're seeing this nickname play out, which means son of encouragement. He sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at their feet. So this is the first interaction of story. And you notice uh, at the beginning, it's kind of brought up that a few people are doing this, but Barnabas is brought out by name. And I think that's kind of interesting that Barnabas is brought out by name. And and through that, we can see that Barnabas is the type of person who is seeing a need and who is acting. But in doing so, he's really doing something, uh, in a sense, that's really extraordinary. I mean, he's selling a whole land and bringing all of it. Uh, to the people of need. But at the same time, it's also somewhat ordinary. What I mean by that is, is he's doing something that doesn't take any kind of extra professional skills or training, or he didn't have to go get a seminary degree at DTS uh, or, or anything like that. He, he, he just uh, really more, it's, it's because it's something that took courage and compassion, uh, but it's something that, that would have been open um, in a sense, to more people who had the opportunity. And so Barnabas is saying, I have something that can help others. And kind of what's happening here is, is as I was studying and while I was listening to some other people, I noticed um, there's a pastor named Louis Giglio. He he said uh, something that I thought was interesting. He said, it's kind of like Barnabas is, is a day one investor in the church. Barnabas is investing in the church as many of us do, but he's this day one investor of the church. He He is answering this call early on, uh, and, and there's this question of like what would it be like to be this day one investor what would it be like in a sense of the returns uh, that would come from that and we all obviously when we think of investing our minds jump to like okay well what would it be like if i invested in in apple or tesla or amazon on day one imagine where my life would be now Or maybe for our world it's a little different it's like what would i my life look like if i invested in 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 bitcoin uh, or dogecoin for the the teens in the room what would those returns look like but i I think it's 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 a a profounder and generational impact in a sense of, of the bigger returns of barnabas investing in this church, is seeing this need and doing something about it. And what's interesting is I think he's impacting generations to come, but he's doing it in a very countercultural way. Barnabas is giving in a way that's pretty countercultural, I think, and that kind of plays back to this uh, extraordinary gift that that is also, in a sense, could be done ordinarily. See, if you wouldn't mind just uh, nerding out with me for a second, uh, I would like to take a quick look at this ancient Roman virtue known as patronage. You guys all know the one, right? Ancient Roman virtue of patronage. And so what this does is I, I think if we just see it for uh, just a moment, it, I think it, it gives us another look into Barnabas's character. Because remember Barnabas... he's this guy he's from cyprus and cyprus whether they liked it or not or was part of the roman world and they didn't like it but they still were Uh, and so that's what they were and their culture was impacted by the whole roman world and in the roman world uh this this culture was just dominated and obsessed with honor and status I mean you don't need to know much about rome to know that we just watch any movie on rome and we know it's all about honor and it's all about status and even to a degree that our culture is all about uh, honor and social status i mean uh, multiply that by like a thousand and now you start getting the roman world and so one way in the roman world that you could gain a little bit of honor and you could gain some status kind of take a leg up uh, was through this roman virtue called patronage And what patronage basically was, was you would give money uh, to like uh, a temple, to a building project, you would give it uh, to a person, or or, or something like that, a city maybe, uh, and and that would be a a way for you to do it. But it was different than how Barnabas gave, because patronage was a uh, two-way transaction. You would give them money, and they would give you honor, or they would give you status, and so if you gave money to the city they would build a statue in your honor uh, if you gave money to a temple they would put your name on the door if you gave money to someone maybe you get a better seat at the table it's this two-part transaction you're not necessarily doing it out of the goodness of your heart but you're doing it so you can take a step up in the world but from the sound of it here in acts i, I don't think that's what barnabas is doing he's not following this typical patronage system he doesn't want the church to be named after him Uh, There's there's no there's no saying of he wants some statue built in his honor, Uh, and even we see in the text that he doesn't tell the disciples what to do with it. He simply lays it at their feet, and I think what he's doing is he's saying, I want God to have the glory. I don't want myself to have the glory. I think because of that, we see a contrast really of what happens in the next chapter. Uh, In the next chapter over, I don't know uh, if you know or not, there's this story with Ananias and and Sapphira. uh, And in a sense, it's these two people who are basically the exact opposite of Barnabas, even though they do something very similar. Just like Barnabas, they go out, they sell some land, they bring some of the money, and they give it to the church. But their motivations in the story seem very different than Barnabas. Because not only did Barnabas bring all of the profit, while they only brought some of it, They lied about what they gave. They lied about the money. And so it seemed at first glance, uh, in a sense, that they had a different mindset than Barnabas. They had a different reason for doing what they did than Barnabas. Where Barnabas saw an opportunity to help someone, it looks like they might have saw an opportunity to help themselves. It's almost like they were inspired by Barnabas, but they were inspired by all the wrong reasons, or or all the wrong things. I don't know if you've ever, like, given uh, advice or, like, direction to maybe, like, a kid, Uh, or or to a friend and they're just like nodding along the whole way they're like really into it Uh, and then they go off and do something totally different and you're just like how did they get that out of what i said how i don't see where that connects it feels in a sense there's something like that happening uh, because barnabas isn't trying to help himself he's trying to help others and, and he's doing it in a way where he remains this invisible well the second story that we see take place Uh, We jump over a little bit longer because this is kind of the introduction to Barnabas. uh, And then, in a sense, he disappears a little bit from the story. But then he pops back up in another big place. Uh, He pops up in Acts 9. So if you want to flip over to Acts 9. uh, We see in Acts 9 another part of Barnabas, another part of his character. And it's that Barnabas, uh, or more specifically, Barnabas' character, is actually Paul's way in. Barnabas is Paul's way in. Acts 9 is a pretty famous chapter in the Bible, and it's, it's really famous mostly because it's the chapter that describes the, the conversion of Saul into Paul, um, and so it's, you know, Saul is this persecutor of the church. He's not only present, but he also approves of the martyrdom of Stephen, so he's like there while they kill him, and he approves of it, and then he goes off to Damascus uh, with a letter of intent to, to arrest all these Christians, uh, but it's on the way that, you know you know, he's blinded, they have to lead him in there, he's baptized, and then he has this whole 180 happen. His whole character, takes like a 180 of identity. He's no longer Saul, he becomes Paul, right? And so instead of killing and persecuting Christians, now Paul is out on the streets. He's publicly preaching as a Christian. But because his identity switch was so drastic And in a sense, so fast. I mean, he's literally on his way to go imprison people and it's while he was on his way to go do that, that he converts. Uh, It's safe to say that the church was a little suspicious of what was going on. The church was a little suspicious of what was going on. I don't know what they thought was going on. I don't know if they thought like he was trying to be undercover or something like that. We don't know. All we know is that they, that no one really wanted to see Paul. No one wanted to take the chance on him. No one except for Barnabas. Barnabas is the one who who becomes willing to take the chance on Paul. Uh, Take a look at Acts 9, and we'll start in verse 26, so a little farther down. Uh, We kind of see this as Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He's trying to meet up with the other apostles. He's trying to meet up with this other church. Uh, No one wants to see him until Barnabas shows up. It said, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, uh, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him brought him to the apostles, and described for them on the road how he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him. How in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus, and so he went in and out among the others in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas is Paul's connection into this group. Barnabas is the way he gets in um, um, with the others, and I, I think, I know for one, it was easy to miss this, It was easy to read past this and kind of miss what was going on, Uh, but I think what's interesting here is, might be reading into it in a sense, but I think we could see, not only is Barnabas Paul's connection, but it seems that Barnabas's character and Barnabas's reputation in the church outweighs Paul's reputation of persecuting the church. His good reputation seems to outweigh Paul's bad reputation when it comes to those people, because here's these people who didn't want anything to do with Paul, and then all of a sudden, when Barnabas gets involved, uh, they're willing to let him in. His word is is strong enough to to, to vouch for uh, one of the most famous persecutors of the church in that time. It makes me wonder, in a sense, like, what's my reputation? Like, who am I outside of these walls? Who am I on a Monday? right? What is it about me? What is it about us that, that gives us, that, that, that gives the gospel credibility? When people see us, uh, when people see me, do they see Jesus? And it kind of brings back that nickname thing, right? Like, what would my new faith nickname be? What would our faith nickname be? Uh, uh, you know, what kind of nickname would we get based on our faith? Are, are we, are we the prayer warrior like Mary Jean Buttrey, uh, you know this person who, who who is not only constantly praying about the about the ministries but is going after individuals to find out how to best pray for these needs you know I, my nickname would be like uh, the no days off Rick Clingsborn, you know someone who is uh, not only serving but is serving to a point where it's like okay you need a break you know let's not uh, yeah, take a day off for this one but it, it's a no day off m- mentality where he's a relentless server or the hospitality and creativity of the Nicolellos. I was just at the uh, men's putt-putt where I sank the winning putt against Jim. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> but at that thing was another uh, time where we see the Nicolellos uh, not only willing to do jobs where no one else potentially would want to do them, but, but bringing some uh, creativity uh, to a, uh, Doing something that could be done uh, easier and, and making it more exciting right? Are you count on me, Lillia McGregor, someone that PCC can always turn to in a bind? Are you no man left behind, Kurt DeMoss, who's going to chase down everyone on the patio to make sure that no one gets left out, and make sure everyone's included? What is your faith nickname? What would people refer to you, or what would your reputation be based on your faith? Because I think Barnabas has a pretty serious one in the church. Barnabas is someone that people can count on, people that want to be around, uh, people that, uh, someone that people trust, so much so that he, he was able to bring Paul into the midst. I think he was someone whose character allowed him uh, to, to, to let God use him in ways that would impact the kingdom. The third uh, story you can see in Acts 13, if you want to skip over, uh, the third one is this, it's, it's Barnabas is someone who's willing to say yes. Barnabas is someone who is willing to say Yes. Uh, Barnabas, his connection with Paul, it doesn't just end uh, with a simple vouch. It doesn't end in, in Acts nine, where he's like, "Hey, this guy's okay," and then like you know steps in uh, away and, and kind of retires from the world. Uh, he continues on. So Barnabas is the son of encouragement. He partners up with Paul and he actually uh, goes out on this kingdom work and he goes on the first missionary journey with Paul. He joins Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, in Acts thirteen, we get a little look into this where we see. Uh, the church in Antioch, uh, send Barnabas and Paul. I don't have time to, like, really look into why Barnabas is mentioned before Saul, but I think that's kind of interesting. Just throwing that out there, just for some food of thought. But it says in Acts 13, uh, 2, it says, while they were worshiping uh, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. We don't have time today to look at uh, all that happens in the first missionary journey because it's a long one, and but I do want to just quickly show the map uh, for just a quick second so that you could see uh, how wide and how vast this impact was. how does that feel backwards? Oh, it's just the look. Okay, it's me. Uh, <laughs> uh, how? But but the the hope of just looking at this is just to see. In a sense, now Barnabas is, is not just impacting one place or even two churches. Uh, his impact is now going uh, more worldwide. Uh, and so it's interesting to see Barnabas is this person who is saying yes. Uh, and because he was someone who was willing to say yes, now this impact is growing uh, to, to, to vast areas. I think this was, in a sense, a pretty big leap for Barnabas and, and a pretty big dream. Uh, as well for the church to be sending these people out, but I do think it's important to say that I don't think it was out of Barnabas's character. I don't think it was out of Barnabas's character to join into this missionary journey, Uh, because I think throughout the story of Barnabas, we continually see time and time again that he's willing uh, and ready to jump in when need be. He's ready when his number is called, right? When the people uh, in the church needed help, Barnabas said yes. Uh, When everyone else said no to Paul, Barnabas said yes. And when the church wanted to reach the world, now this time Barnabas again says yes. Uh, Barnabas is someone who's willing to say yes when God calls him. And I think because of that, uh, God works through him. And we see through his example that God works through people who are willing to say yes to him. So I just kind of want to move towards the end with with the three takeaways. I think there's three uh, things to learn from Barnabas, him as a character, him as a story, uh, his life. Uh, really as as an invisible, but someone who clearly uh, was was able to be uh, open and, and willing to let God work through him. And so just three things uh, for you as you're filling it out. It's the first one is this, and again it's that big point, we're coming back to it uh, for good reason, it's that God works through the invisibles. God works through the invisibles. It's, it's really a, a, an idea that I hope we we beat to death through this series because I hope it's something that inspires you as well, is that God works through uh, his invisibles. And I think often a lot of these stories we see invisibles who often move the story forward, uh, who are hidden in between the lines, uh, but whose impact is vast. Right, we see that not only in in God's story, but throughout uh, the church's history as well, that there's invisibles uh, who are continually moving the story forward. The thing is, it just takes a little more effort to look for them oftentimes the invisibles don't always stand out the way that abraham does that moses does uh, that paul does but they're still integral parts of the story that led me to 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 actually find out uh, this little this little thing that i thought was super interesting Uh, what do billy graham uh, crew campus ministries young life and the navigators all have in common it's an invisible it's a sunday school teacher they're all connected by one Sunday school teacher named Henrietta Mears. Uh, there's this, weaving. well, they're, anyway, they're all connected by, by this, this Sunday school teacher, Henrietta Mears, and she's a Sunday school teacher for 40 years in Southern California, uh, and she also was, uh, helped found a, a little camp that holds a special place in all of our hearts, especially the Garlands, um, called Forest Home. And so Billy Graham, Bill Bright, the founder of Crew, Jim Ray, the founder of Young Life, Dawson Trotman, the founder of Navigators, were all people who were impacted by this one invisible, a Sunday school teacher named Henrietta Mears. And it's crazy, they all write about her and they all say these wonderful things about Henrietta Mears. And and so we begin to wonder, uh, really it, it feels almost impossible to estimate how many lives were impacted, how many people heard the gospel How many people uh, were able to experience something about God uh, because of the people that Henrietta Mears impacted? Because of uh, her students? How wide was this impact? I think, um, you know, what's what's really nice, but but not always happens, is that Henrietta Mears, at the end of her life, was able to kind of see this impact uh, even just a little bit. And she wrote about it as her life was coming to an end Uh, She just said quickly, it said, when I get old and decrepit, I'm going to draw myself up to a television and I'm going to hear my voice speak around the world. It's just a wonder to think about what we speak and do are translated some way in the most mystic and marvelous way to other individuals and how they, in turn, spread it out and out and out until the circle is so immense that we haven't had any idea. Here is this Sunday school teacher Who has this impact that that we can't even fathom. There's a plug for uh, Colleen. Get some Sunday school teachers. You don't know how great your impact could be down the line. Because while her name might not be as famous as some of those students that she impacted, uh, her impact, uh, God used her in just such a significant way. It just takes a little more work for us to see that. But we can see that God is moving through his invisibles. And I think that God likes moving through his invisibles uh, because uh, people like Henrietta Mears and people like Barnabas, uh, they point back to who the story is all about. We see them pointing back to who the story is all about. And maybe that's why they're remaining invisibles. Right? Because throughout his life, we see time and time again, Barnabas isn't out there seeking honor for himself. He's out there seeking God. He's out there seeking God's honor and God's glory. The second one, uh, just seeing through Barnabas, his story, is that I feel like we can see that God works through people of character. I mean, you don't get the nickname son of encouragement for nothing, right? I feel like you can get a bad nickname for nothing. Uh, it's a lot harder to get a good nickname. And here, Barnabas is the son of encouragement. His character, I think, constantly put him in a collision course with God's mission what do people see when they see us are they seeing jesus if we were to go out and we're gonna we're gonna get some of these awesome faith nicknames uh, what is it gonna be because god moves through these people of character barnabas was a person of character god continually used him i think the, the the third one is simply this is that god works through people who are willing to say yes God works through people who are willing to say yes, and this is one I think is important to continually say in the church. Now, I'm a big sports fan, so sports are not your thing. I apologize. Uh, You can just tune this out for just a second, but come back because the the theme behind it is an important one, right? There's this saying in sports, right? It's next man up, next woman up. Now, it's a saying in sports, right? right? If if something happens, uh, you right away turn to next man up, next woman up. And the mentality behind it is, is no matter where you are in the game, you got to be ready if your number gets called. You got to be ready to step in if something happens. And so uh, if you're on the sidelines, if you're on the bench, you can't just hide. You can't just sit back and wait. You got to have this next one up mentality. You got to be ready. And so if the coach calls your number, you're not only ready to jump in, but you're ready to make the big play. I don't think Barnabas shied away when God called his number. He jumped in continually time and time again. I think likewise, we're called to not shy away either. And the Heckelbergs are a great example of that, right? Final thing, and I just want to close on this. Last question for you to take home and and to think about. We see Barnabas as this example of really not only a person, but an invisible who God works through, who God did amazing things through. I mean his story in many ways uh, often is intertwined with Paul's and that's just an amazing thing but he's this invisible who God works through and so I can't help but to wonder and hopefully you wonder as well right are you an invisible that God can work through are you an invisible that God can work through like like Paul or like Barnabas are you an invisible that God can work through let's pray Uh, God, we just come before you today and uh, really, uh, as we look at this life uh, of an amazing character in your story, God, as as someone that you used uh, time and time again uh, to do uh, amazing things for your kingdom, God, that we know that first and foremost, uh, you are the main character of the story, God. Uh, that you're the one who is making these things happen, but God, uh, that we just see that here's someone who you you are using and we can ask, well, how can I be that person as well? Uh, How can I live with that next man up, that next man, the next woman up mentality and just uh, uh, to to be eager and excited for how we can join in in what you're doing, God. We thank you, not only for who you are and what you're doing, but for for the stories like this uh, of people who, in a sense, uh, take a little bit uh, longer to to, to find in the pages of the Bible. But God, uh, are people who you use for amazing things. Let us be inspired by that. So we just pray this uh, really in your name, God. Amen.